0: Yale Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to the Quadcast, a Yale Divinity School podcast. In our seventh episode, graduate student Emily Judd interviews Yale professors Miroslav Wolf and Matthew Krosman. A native of Croatia, Professor Volf has taught at Yale since 1999. Volf is the founder and director of the Yale Center for Faith and Culture. Professor Krosman is director of the center's Life Worth Living program, which launched the wildly popular Yale course with the same name, Life Worth Living. In the class, Professors Volf and Krosman help students reflect on what makes a good and meaningful life through the exploration of six different religious and philosophical traditions. Professor Krosman shares some teaching techniques.
2: The imaginative exercise, which is to say, uh, if the claims this tradition made were true, how would your life have to change?
1: Professor Wolf discusses how to find meaning in suffering.
3: Suffering opens us up to realize that we ourselves are fragile people so that we don't end up uh, walking through the world like John Wayne uh, and shooting everything uh, everything down.
1: And Professor Wolf talks about having an attitude of gratitude and how we can see the world as a gift from God.
3: Creation is both significant in itself, but it's significant also in that it ties me to the source of uh, all reality. And that's true of every single of my pleasure, pleasure of drinking cold water, pleasure of having sex, pleasure of eating great food, pleasure of having wonderful conversation as we are having right now.
0: Imagine a ladder with steps numbered from zero at the bottom to 10 at the top. The top of the ladder represents the best possible life for you, and the bottom of the ladder represents the worst possible life for you. Which step are you on right now? Do you have a sense of what makes your life meaningful? Our two guests today, Yale professors Miroslav Wolf and Matthew Krosman, want to help you reach the top of the ladder. Their new book is titled For the Life of the World, Theology That Makes a Difference. Welcome, professors.
3: Great to be here with you.
0: You are both part of the Life Worth Living program at Yale, which promotes the belief that in today's world, we have to ask and answer the question, what is the good life? Why is this question important to address now more than ever before?
3: Humanity has asked this question for centuries, for millennia. Uh, As it turns out, in more modern era, we have kind of suppress this question. There's a bit of forgetfulness of it, and there are many reasons uh, for that, Um, partly because the question has been privatized uh, it's about what's a good life simply for me, and it's not only that's been privatized, but maybe even reduced to something like our preferences. What do I prefer? And once you put it in those terms, then suddenly kind of here discussion about the question of what does make humanly good life? Um, worth living, what makes it really good, what makes it true uh, falls a bit by the way, wayside and we start deciding about our, our life, the way we decide about uh, our consumer choices. Do I like it? Do I not? Uh, does uh, my friend have it uh, or, or not? Can I do just a little bit better than they in this way? But not a, a, a question that is not, not a reflection that is worthy of the weight of this uh, question. Uh, and the weight of this question is simply simply this. Um, you live life, your life only once. And just but the dumbest thing you can say uh, in response is then enjoy it. You live it once. And therefore, their life that is lived once has to be lived uh, to our human potential and to our individual potential. And that's why this question is really important generally. And that's why it's particularly important in today's environment.
0: Now, this quote from the book description struck me. It says, although we increasingly have the technology to do almost anything, we have little sense of what is truly worth accomplishing. How does the technological age affect the search for meaning and purpose in life?
2: Well, I think it does it in, in a couple of ways. Um, first of all, technology is about means. <laughs> um, and so technology is about how to, how to get something done, um, usually more, more effectively, more efficiently, um, maybe more... More uh, with with broader impact, um, and so uh, in a technology saturated culture, um, yeah, there, there's a sort of question like, you know, how does this question work when I have the glowing screen of my phone near me all the time? But I think there's a more a, a more pervasive and and more maybe ultimately more important way that technology shapes this. It was a technology saturated culture. The question that we want to ask is, um, are, is a technological question. They're, they're questions about means. How how do I get um, uh, what I want? How do I get it more effectively? How do I get it more efficiently? How do I get it without putting in as much effort? Or, um, or yeah. Uh, and so, and, and but it, it obscures questions about ends. Um, what, what actually should I want? Um, what's actually worth wanting at the end of the day?
0: And you both teach the course Life Worth Living at Yale, which was launched in 2014. The course compares various religious and non-religious traditions to find out what is a life lived well. You both identify as Christian. What about the Christian tradition makes for a meaningful life? Professor Wolf, what do you
3: think? It seems to me that for, for, for me as a Christian, and you ask specifically the question here about uh, us being, being Christian, and for me as a Christian, I think that what makes life meaningful or the kind of life that will be meaningful for human beings will be a life of following Jesus Christ. Um, I take it that Jesus Christ is the Word become flesh. I take it that Jesus Christ is revelation of who God is, but revelation also who human beings are created to be and who human beings therefore ought to be. Um, And so I would say, well, that's what makes life meaningful. Um, now you may want to parse that uh, out uh, a bit and you may want to you may wonder how it is that a person 2000 living 2000 years ago in some f- strange uh, little corner of the of the earth when technologies were not nearly as developed as today when we knew only fraction of things that we know today, how that human being can be revelatory for what humanity is. And all of these questions I think we need to take, uh, uh, take up. But some of it will be also a matter that's why I think about um, uh, visions of the good life. Some of it will be a matter of invitation to to start a journey and to discover meaning so it would be a risk and this is what faith in some ways means entrusting one's life so into Christ so that in following that way of life the meaning opens itself up and uh, th- that's that's what, uh, what what christian faith offers obviously in this course we uh, explore other traditions uh, a- as well but that's certainly the one that i embrace and i found uh, meaningful life following christ
0: and so professor crosman over 250 students this past semester participated in the life worth living course which has expanded from the united states to England and China. As Professor Wolf mentioned, students explore Buddhism, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Marxism, and utilitarianism. Did I leave any out? And Nietzsche. Oh, okay, as well. So um, do you know if exposure to the different traditions has led any students to change their religious or, or philosophical views?
2: Certainly. Um, we've seen sort of extreme, some some small minority of students experience very substantial sort of uh, transformations, right? So um, we've seen atheists become theists. Uh, we've seen theists become atheists. Um, we've uh, largely what we see, I think, um, more, more so than, than anything else, is we see students sort of gain articulacy, um, around uh, intuitions that they have brought into the class. What we're aiming to have in the course are uh, truth-seeking conversations about the good life. And we tell them right from the beginning, uh, if you're going to really try to seek the truth here, then then the stakes need to be uh, potentially as high as sort of
3: full uh, conversion, full life transformation. In some ways, uh, just, just a small, small footnote, um, I find that students go away having discovered the weight of the question, the significance of it, the importance, and whereas most of them are inclined to think that it's important, um, but they they go away realizing there are these incredibly long, intricate traditions with some of the brightest minds humanity has ever seen. For centuries, reflecting on these deep uh, questions, and suddenly this question gains new significance for them.
2: You have students often from very different religious uh, traditions, from no religious tradition, from very different uh, political systems and you know gov- governmental structures. They've you know, grown up all around the world, and and they've. Yeah, they've 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 done some reading to sort of understand what are the, sort of the belief structures of these various traditions that that students are coming that their peers around the table are coming from. But even more than that, they've spent three hours a week around a seminar table, um, sitting with someone, getting a sense of the. Uh, of of their of their f- of the feel of, of what a life lived um, in that direction would sort of look like. What that what would that feel like? What would that how would that shape? Um, they've taken on the imaginative exercise, um, which we're always leading them back to. Um, uh, but uh, I think which is what which the imaginative exercise, which is to say. Uh, if the claims this tradition made were true, how would your life have to change? Which is a great imaginative exercise, but yet more powerful than that is to say, well, I've gotten to know my classmate who does believe that this particular set of claims is true. Um, and 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 this is, and look at how their life is different than mine.
0: And Professor Crosman, you said in a Huffington Post article that one of the big problems in our culture is that we don't know how to talk about questions of ultimate purpose. And that used to be one of the central things to get out of the college experience. It seems that Yale is unique in that it offers your course, Life Worth Living, and the course Psychology and the Good Life taught by Dr. Lori Santos, which focuses on positive psychology. These are obviously not traditional college courses. So how do you expect your course will Impact campus culture.
2: The two courses that you described at Yale, I think, are are trying to do um, uh, two 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 different things. Starting from a, I think a shared sort of diagnosis that um, look uh, students on college campuses these days are are suffering. Um, they uh, levels of anxiety and depression are are epidemic, um, and I think uh, instructors uh, are rightly wrestling with the the thought that. Perhaps we owe more to our students uh, through the curriculum than just skill building and information transfer. Um, Perhaps perhaps the curriculum can have something. It can't be the only place, but maybe the curriculum has something to offer students sort of with their existential kind of questions about uh, meaning and purpose. Um, But like I said, even the two courses you mentioned at Yale, I think, are doing sort of two different things. Psychology and the Good Life, a wonderful class, I think, offering sort of... um, empirical evidence, sort of mounting empirical evidence for how to um, get a particular sort of vision of, of life that uh, positive psychology uh, sort of takes to be uh, the vision worth uh, worth wanting. Um, what we're trying to do in, in Life Worth Living is... Is take a step back and ask students, well, what actually is that vision? And I hope that what's what's going to mark campuses then is a is a sense that uh, students and faculty alike then have a sense that um, of of the import of of the question of of the the question of the good life. That this question, as much as organic chemistry or you know Russian literature or what, or whatever what, what have you, it's um, so not to put those things down. Those things are important too. But isn't this question, the most important question of our lives, isn't that worth just as much intellectual um, energy and, and thought and care as anything else that, that, that's studied at the university?
0: And there is so much suffering in the world today. And in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, Holocaust survivor and psychiatrist Viktor Frankl wrote, if there is meaning in life at all, then there must be meaning in suffering. Professor Wolf, how do we make meaning from suffering? It's a really big question, but is that part of finding a life worth living?
3: I think engagement with the question of suffering, uh, which is a consequence of our fragility and living in a kind of conflict-ridden uh, kinds of environments, I think that question is very important for... Um, life dealing with that question is important for a life worth uh, living. Um, and obviously, the, one of the big issues in facing suffering is can all suffering be rendered meaningful? What is the appropriate stance toward uh, suffering? Is appropriate stance towards suffering to somehow find the meaning and then resilience is going to follow out of the meaning that we have garnered out of uh, suffering? Or might the appropriate stance be to try to remove suffering (laughs) so as to free persons from those? Or might... Why would we need to choose between the, between the two? Uh, we can render some suffering meaningful while at the same time we tar- try to eliminate other forms of, uh, of, of suffering. Um, and um, in, in, the, in the Jewish and Christian traditions, uh, it's very interesting that in the text uh, you don't have the suffering rendered uh, – you don't have it as prominently suffering rendered meaningful. You have a, a, a kind of a push against the, the suffering. You have a children of Israel are groaning, groaning in Egypt, and nobody comes to declare to them why it's meaningful that they're doing that. Uh, what God does is free them, frees them from slavery. Jesus comes uh, and generally doesn't explain to people why it is that they're, they're a sick but rather tells them get up and walk because you're being being healed. Now, that being said, you you see that the attitude is is very much of combating uh, suffering because expectation is a a world in which we can live freed from, from suffering. At the same time, we don't live yet in that kind of uh, a world. We live in a world where our bodies break. We live in the world where those who are righteous offer soft, uh, suffer persecution and so forth. And so we have to think about how do we live with suffering? How do we gain strength out of uh, suffering, and there are many different patterns in the in the Bible, in certainly in the in the writings of uh, Paul uh, about how it is that we may find suffering both bearable and how we may find suffering uh, that suffering opens us up uh, for experiences that otherwise would be close to us. For instance, it's very tough to uh, have proper and true empathy unless you yourself have somehow experienced the kinds of things in which people find themselves. So suffering often opens us up to uh, being able to see suffering of others and uh, help or suffering opens us up to realize that we ourselves are fragile people so that we don't end up uh, walking through the world like John Wayne uh, and shooting everything uh, everything down, uh, uh, rather we see ourselves as as fragile people living among fragile people, and it's as such that we can discover the beauty of our humanity, which isn't simply in power, but it is also in certain forms of uh, weakness and so forth. So we can have multiple ways in which we can experience the goods of suffering while at the same time being involved in the combat against suffering.
0: And you said in a 2016 TED Talk that, quote, I believe that human beings are ultimately created for relationship with God. In all the things we pursue, we also always pursue God. We have been created to be in contact with infinity. Other than organized religion, how do we honor and access God in our daily lives?
3: I think that we can honor and access God in our daily lives, in ways that are incredibly surprising. Um, I think that organized religion, uh, I think that spirituality, is one important way. Um, but I wouldn't want to. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to identify Christianity as a organized religion with the presence of god to the lives of ordinary people in all parts of the of the world so i can think of god being present to them i can think of the search for god i can think of god being behind the search for god even where organized religion is not there but i think what i was trying to also uh, also express is is uh, The the centrality of God in our lives, and by that I don't mean uh, to say, oh, we're going to remove ourselves from this world. Uh, All these worldly little things are uninterested to us; Uh, they're not worthy of us. The only object uh, worthy of our attention is God. But rather, God has created us as material beings. God has created us as beings as earthlings, (laughs) fashioned us out of the dust of the uh, of the earth, if you want to use. that, that vocabulary, which is to say we find our proper joys and proper fulfillment in the world as it is. But that world, and I think that's important for me, that world is a God's creation. That world is a gift of God. That world isn't a source of satisfaction simply as such a world, but as a gift from God so that I can appreciate, I can be grateful. And it can be source of extraordinary joy when I realize that creation is both significant in itself. But it's significant also in that it ties me to the source of uh, all reality. And that's true of every single of my pleasure, pleasure of drinking cold water, pleasure of having sex, pleasure of eating great food, pleasure of having wonderful conversation as we are having right now.
0: Great. Well, thank you both so much for joining us today. It was an amazing conversation. I appreciate the insight.